Good morning, this is your host Rusty James. It is Thursday, August 20th, 2015, and this is the ride. Hey everybody, every morning I'm wondering what is, what is it I'm gonna say today? When I give that sign on, I'm kind of silently praying, Lord, give us a fresh word, give us a fresh perspective on life today. I'd like to believe that what we're doing here isn't simply a Bible study, but more a uh, understanding of the world and the truth of the world and applying the truth of the world and it just happens to involve our operator's manual, the Bible. So this, in many ways, this is just real life 101 and 102. So I hope you're, uh, hope you got the word alongside of you today because we're going to go to Ephesians 4, or rather you are, because I'm not going to be reading Ephesians 4. I just listened to it and I had a real sense that we need some encouragement to walk the life of faith, the life of a Christian, a true Christian, and maybe to think about why. Why do we do it? We all know that we should do it because we've been told that for years and years. Or if you're a new Christian, you've been hearing me talk to you about how we ought to do that. But maybe today is, maybe today is the, the day we talk about why. why. Why do we do it? And I've been listening to the Word and I'm just encouraged. I want to encourage you that the Lord is speaking to us today. And whatever day your day is, whatever is part of your day, our God is talking to us with information that's relevant for your day. So, it's like he's giving us a light shining on our path. And every one of us has a slightly different path. So your path might be, you know, you might have just got out of the joint and you're trying to find your life again. And you need to know that there's someone who still cares about you, even though you think that maybe you don't even care about you. Or maybe you're a, a single parent dealing with a lot of little kids that just tap all your energy and you wonder where you, where you're your strength going to come from today, let alone tomorrow and the next day, you're having a hard time imagining you having enough strength for today. Or maybe you're a workaholic dad or a workaholic mom and you're so addicted to that behavior that you neglect your family and neglect your own health. And neglect your own time that you spend with the one who is to give you the strength to make it through every day. 
Or maybe you're the person who thinks they've got it all together and they don't need God. And every battle that you've faced through the course of your life, you've been able to solve it on your own, so why would you need any kind of help from the outside? Well, if, you want, if, you, if you're that person, you've got to know that whatever your best intentions were in your life, whatever highest goal you ever thought to attain, Scripture tells us that that's nothing compared to what is possible with God. He's the creator of all things and He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows your challenges. And He even knows that the things that you face, I'm kind of picking on the one who thinks he's got it all together. All the issues that you think you've covered and conquered, there's other issues that you might not even be aware of or might have suppressed that he wants to bring you to an awareness of today. So that's just, no matter where we're at, all of these examples of where we're at, you could tell me your story, you could tell me exactly what's going on in your life as, as best you can describe it, and I could point out tens of places where if you rely on the Lord in that one area, it will be better. It will go well with you. Will things turn around right away? Not necessarily. It depends on how, you know, how much of a hole you might have dug in, dug for yourself or, or, or it might have a lot to do with what your thinking is about life and your worldview on, on how a person is supposed to be. I'd like to encourage you to seek out the Word of God to find out what your worldview could be. There's a reason why it's called a life of faith. If, if I could prove that that's the way to live, then I wouldn't be living by faith. I can't prove to you and say, look, this way is the way to live according to God the Father and, and what Jesus did on the cross. This is the way to live. Seek first the kingdom of God, like the Bible says, and, and things will go well with you. I, can, I can't prove that to you. I can't draw an equation to prove that to you. I can give you examples of how it's worked in my life and if you talk to many other Christians that are willing to tell you their story, they could do the same. But really, to, to your mind, it's just somebody recounting an experience of theirs. I think today you probably want an experience for yourself. You want to see it for yourself. And if you've never seen it for yourself, you might be suspicious of this life of Christ, this gospel of Jesus. You might be very suspicious. You might say, the world has got the answers for me. I don't, I don't need it from, from a deity. That's, that's for weak, 
weak-willed people, weak-minded people. Well, that's your opinion, I suppose. My opinion is it takes a whole lot more strength in the mind and in the heart to follow by faith something that can't be proven to you and still hold fast to it. Even when the world wants to rain on what you're doing as the rain is falling before me right now. Sometimes it's hard to see when the rain has fallen. You know what rain is? You know, in, in my example here, rain is just part of life. You're going to get rained on every now and then. And sometimes it's hard to see through it. But the Word of God helps you kind of wipe it away. And really see where you're headed. And I, I say to you today that when the world is raining on you if, you, if you don't have the wiper of the Holy Spirit, the wiper of the Word of God, it's so easy to focus on the windshield with all the rain on it that you really don't see your destination. And this is the why. Why is it, why is it that we follow Christ? I think the reason that I follow Christ is because even though it can't be proven to me, I still believe it's true that He died on the cross and more importantly, He rose from the dead. And we say that so much that I think that's lost on people, what that really means. I mean, a lot of people who know about Christianity know that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, if everybody who's ever worn a cross, whether in a religious fashion or in a fashion fashion, knows that the, there was, well, I'm hoping that they would know. I pray right now, Lord, that you reveal to people that if they're wearing crosses or having any kind of cross jewelry, that they would somehow understand the importance of that symbolism. That your spirit would just reveal to them what they're wearing in Jesus' name. I think there's people that don't understand what it is they're wearing, but I pray that, that they do. And if they recognized that it represented someone who died for them, for the wearer of that jewelry, but rose from the dead, dead and buried, dead as in no heartbeat, no breath, no pulse, dead for days. But don't you know, he was busy during those times in the spirit. You know, when we think about Jesus dying on the cross, a lot of times we think about 
I think the simple thought that many people have is, you know, Jesus died for us. I mean, that's pretty wild that that he would physically die for you. I mean, we could maybe picture ourselves sacrificing our own life for a family member to protect a child, for example. Man, I would do that in a heartbeat. If I knew I could protect a family member or my family from certain harm in a heartbeat, and I don't think I'm just saying that. I think that you get to a point in your life where you recognize, and maybe it's understanding war and death and things like that in a, in a higher, I don't know, consciousness, to realize that death is a part of life and, you know, it will happen unless we are, you know, caught up into the clouds because of Christ's return. Uh, every one of us is going to die. So, knowing that, and knowing that, you know, pain is just for a season, and maybe a very, very brief season in, in the course of death, and because I know I have a place where I'm headed after death, it makes it easier. The point is, I think I could really say I'm willing to die for my family. A little bit harder to, to, to just die for strangers, and yet that's what Jesus did. But we sometimes think about that as just, you know, it's look at the sacrifice he made. He physically died for me. Man, you don't even know the half of it. You don't even know the 98% of it, if that's what you think happened on the cross. Sure, Jesus died for us. But, you know, you would die for a family member, maybe, like I was describing. But what Jesus did was so much more. Let's remember now for a moment that he took on the sins of the world at that moment. He was the sin covering. In the Old Testament, it talks about sin had to be covered or uh kind of erased or redeemed or paid for by the shedding of blood. And Jesus is the ultimate picture of that. In fact, the scripture says that, that he, what he did on the cross was the final work necessary. That there didn't need to be any further sacrifice to cover sin because he did the whole deal. But let's look at this a minute. Because what he did when he took the sin of the world, he died. And this is what I'm going to describe. His death that I'm talking about now is not his physical death. He went through a death that you will never have to experience. Because this death is a separation from God. You will never have to endure that. Just think about that. 
See, what Jesus did on the cross, he took the sin. He took every sin that ever will be committed and ever has been committed. He took that on and he took ownership of it. And because God is just, he has to punish sin. And so Jesus, in his death on the cross, had to endure a spiritual death that you will never, ever have to deal with. Sure, we have all have physical death, but that's simply a transition into, into his bosom. Jesus Christ took on sin of the whole planet. Every dirty thing in the world. He didn't even have to do it. But he knew that he was going to do it. And he even asked God if that cup could be taken away from him. We look at his scourging and his beating and we think that that, I mean, that's absolutely painful. We have no idea what he endured physically. But we really, really don't have any idea what he endured in the spirit realm. And yet even then, what does he do? He goes and takes the keys from our enemy who thought he had defeated him. How short-sighted is our enemy? He's still short-sighted. How, how do I know that? Because he entices us by short-sightedness. Doesn't he? The lies he speaks to us are to get us off track for a season. It doesn't, it doesn't, he's not a long-term thinker. God's a long-term thinker. God reminds us that there's a life of discipline, and discipline is not difficult. It doesn't have to be. Military people live a life of discipline, and they get to their objectives. That's that's the whole idea. It's not short term. Satan is a short term speaker. He gets you off track for the moment. All he has to do, that's that's his whole agenda. Off track for the moment. That's it. Cuz he knows that if he can get you off track for the moment, then then it's likely that you get off track for the moment the next day or the next hour. Or the next moment. That's his whole agenda. He doesn't have a long-term game plan. Nope. Just to get you off track. And then when you're thinking you're back on track, get you off track. God has a longer-term agenda. It's to bring you into a fulfillment of what he's called for you. And don't you know, it's not something that you don't want to do. 
It's something that you want to do. You just don't know it yet. Isn't... That's the why, I think, for, for me. And I think that that is the why, ultimately, is I serve God because He took sin on in the form of Jesus Christ. And He took the penalty for that sin. The penalty is separation from God, by the way, if I wasn't clear before. You do not want to be separated from God. You don't. It's, un- it's hard for me to tell you that and have you maybe believe it if you've never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ because in a sense we're all separated from God until we know who he is until we can have that relationship with him we're all separated from him and unless you know that there's a hole that, that hasn't been filled you'll fill it with the world stuff and you'll maybe be totally satisfied with the world stuff. Sure, we'll have bad days, and sure, we'll have, you know, this need for a solution that we just never will get when we just fill it with what the best we can do. And, and sometimes, you know, we think that that's going to be enough. And I say there's so much more. But I understand it's, it's difficult you know, I picture somebody who is definitely not saved in Hollywood. You know, I would base that based on what they say and and do, and based on their fruit, I would believe them to believe a certain way. And I could say and believe that you know maybe their situation, they don't want Christ in their life because one, it would it would hurt their bottom line. You know, I'm picturing like, let's say a movie star or somebody who's a celebrity of some sort. It would hurt their bottom line because, you know, all of a sudden the ways of the world don't reward you in the same way if you make a stand for Christ. I remember the other day I said, don't judge people. I don't want to judge you know, the intent of the heart. I'm just kind of making a broad sweeping statement that it's difficult. I mean, even the Word of God says it's difficult for the rich man to accept the kingdom. Does that mean a rich man can't? Of course not. I think the story is implying that if you if if riches is your God, it's very hard to let go of that God to seek a God that would say... Riches are below my feet. I am much more important than the riches. So I know it's hard for some to accept the gospel because what they appear that, you know, what they would think they need to give up. But the why for me is... I see what Jesus gave up. But then I see what Jesus got for me. And living by faith means I accept that. And, okay, so maybe I don't have the opportunities in life that, you know, the world would reward. 
if I wasn't following Christ. But I believe my reward is deeper than that. My reward is not going to be the kind of reward that will get rusty and moth-eaten. My reward is Christ himself. That's why I'm always talking about getting time in the Word and, and knowing your Father. Because when you get to know Him more and more, you realize that it's not heaven we're ultimately seeking. It's not heaven and your mansion and your, you know, your gold pavement up to your gold mailbox kind of thing. Man, that's just... That's almost Hollywoodish. That's not where it's at. It's not even... I've never thought that even the crown that we would get is an indication of our righteousness or something. Man, I'll throw that at his feet. I don't need that. Give me you. You're the one who died for me. I don't need that other stuff. So that's why I do it. Would it be easy to not seek after him and seek his kingdom first? Absolutely, there's days that it would be easier to do that. Then I think about, well, would it have been easy for Jesus to to not take up his cup? You know, when he was praying to the Father in the garden beforehand, before he was going to the cross, and he said, please take it from me, but I will do your will. Well, if he can do it, and now I have his life in me, then I can do it. I'll take up my cross and follow him. We need to be reminded daily of why. Why we seek the kingdom first. Because if we start doing it for some other reasons, hear me out, Christians. If if we're doing this because of a of a it's a tradition, you know, traditions are good. I've talked about that. Traditions are really good. But if we're doing it for tradition, you know, grandma did it, we're gonna do it. By golly, and your kids are gonna do it. Or if you do it for prestige, you know, I'm a deacon in the church, and therefore, I'm better than you, or whatever it happens to be. Of course, we never say that, but we maybe think it. Or I'm a worship leader, and I can't, I can't get my, myself feeling good about myself unless I'm worshiping. Well, there's maybe an element to that, but what I was trying to get to was that you know, I really like the adulation, adulation that I get. Nature, Will Robinson, nature. If we do it for that, if we do it for human reasons, mortal reasons, reasons that 
will be burnt up, then we're doing it for the wrong reason. The why should be to know him more. You know, I saw a movie last night. There's a war movie called The Hurt, the Hurt Locker. It's, it's from a while back. And the main character, his job was uh, a bomb, an ordinance. Let's see, an ordinance, EOD. They were in the EOD group. Ordinances with weapons like bombs and things like that. And they, their job was to um, render them harmless. And it takes skill to do it. They were kind of referred to as technicians. And it takes guts because you're basically facing your death every moment you're working with this stuff. And I don't know why I brought it up. I, I was just thinking of war and, and death. And how we're here one minute and we might be gone the next. And life is fleeting and life is a vapor. And even if we're fortunate enough to live to a ripe old age... In the big scheme of things, in the eternal scheme of things, that's, sim that's still a vapor. It's just here and then gone. And we can seek after plenty of things while we're on planet Earth. You know, a beautiful home, education for our kids, education for our grandkids boats and vacations and nice clothes, jewelry, furs, whatever it is that we think makes us successful or feel good about ourselves or makes us feel good about ourselves because we look good for other people, you know, whatever. But life is fleeting. And part of the reason why I serve Christ is because I want to be reminded that my life is more than just that. Because if it was just that, I think that's fairly shallow. I'll tell you, when I was in college, I had a dream that, you know, my ultimate end goal, kind of, was to have a house, to have a nice CD collection... And this was before I even was considering marriage and that kind of stuff. I that's what I wanted. I wanted before I was before I'd get married, that's what I wanted. I wanted a house and I wanted a CD collection with all certain type, types of music and I wanted to be comfortable. That's what I wanted, comfortable. And I I kind of almost got depressed after I got that and it didn't fulfill me. And I think in the depths of our human heart, even if we get all the human stuff, let's say we got all the furs, the diamonds, the jewelry, the house, the clothes, the recognition, the job, all of that stuff. I think a lot of people that get to that level, 
they just want more because they don't get it's something doesn't get satisfied so they so they need more of that so they there is a like a discontentment there but following Christ is kind of unique I get a contentment in my discontent. And what I mean by that is I know that there's more things that he's got for me. I expect it because he's told me it. He's got a promise for us, for all of us, that there's more. And so in a sense, I'm discontent. I'm content knowing that there's more. I'm content knowing that I can spend more time with him and get more of his understanding. And I believe he's got wisdom that I've yet to attain. That's exciting for me. And I also know that that wisdom isn't going to help me just attain more of this earthly stuff, houses and clothes and cars and that. But it will give me something more tangible, more eternally tangible. And the eternally tangible thing you can't hold in your hand. Those are things like wisdom. Things like the wisdom in a person who doesn't know Jesus yet, but they're gonna. And the wisdom that forms in them as they come to know Christ and as they share the gospel to someone else who's never heard it. And then all of a sudden a family is saved and then a clan, and then a whole city, and then a state. It can be, it can happen. This kind of stuff is happening around the world, by the way. I don't know if you know this. But there's places where this, there's such a, there's such a oppression and a, I can't think of the word now, but there's, there is such a uh, opposition to the move of the Lord in some places that the move of the Lord is happening regardless of that and, and almost in spite of that and there are there are whole communities getting saved and so when you think about the United States and how it feels like there's just this overwhelming oppression toward the Christian worldview. You know, the United States is such a the United States is such a melting pot that you know the country prides itself apparently on being able to accept all faiths and all opinions and all this until finally there really is no voice that speaks for the nation. It's unfortunate because I love my country. But my country, maybe it, I love the idea, the idea of my country because really the country is the people and we're so diverse. I want to live for Jesus Christ, period. 
I want to do what he commands me to do, period. I want to say what he says I should say, period. Regardless of what may happen to me, that's what I want to do. Life is too short to just play games. The why, I want to make an impact in eternally tangible things. How about you? You want to make an impact in your family? That's an eternally tangible thing. You know, if your family saw a change happening in you, what do you think it would do to your family? Are you kidding me? Holy crap! You know, it's not like you're turning like you're turning into some super pious person. No, they know the real you. But then they see that things are changing. That's amazing. That that speaks to people. I serve God why? Because I believe I can have an impact on people. And then they can have an impact on people. And that's how it's supposed to work. Because of an eternally tangible thing that happens there. You tap into the supernatural realm when you seek after Christ first. Because it doesn't make any sense in the natural. But it makes all the sense in the world. It didn't make any sense for Jesus to die on the cross in the natural. All the people that surrounded Jesus were like, but you're going to be our king. You're going to be, I thought you were the Messiah. Aren't you going to bring in, you know, uh, victory? Man, little did they know the kind of victory that they could have. And after he died and rose again, and the Holy Spirit descended on them, and then they walked in power, they were persecuted. That's the word I was looking for before. They were persecuted. They could have said to themselves, Man, I thought, I thought we were going to be victorious. I thought he was a Messiah bringing victory to us. And now we're, getting, now we're getting killed by the lions in Rome and all of that stuff. It's because the victory was in a spiritual realm. It wasn't necessarily on the human realm. It was bringing tangible, eternally tangible results. Why do I serve Jesus? Because I've seen eternally tangible results in my life and in the lives of my family members. And I, by faith, right now, see eternally tangible results in your life. Whoever is listening to this right now, I see it by faith. How do I know I can even say that boldly? Because I believe I'm speaking the Word of God. And it tells me that it does not go, it does not come back void. That means that there's an effect that happens. You ready to be affected today? You just 
absorb the word of the Lord. Now I had you open up to Ephesians 4. And I'd like you to read that whole chapter before you get up from this. If you're in a car or somewhere where you can't read, pull up uh, Bible Gateway on your device. Have it read to you, Ephesians 4, while you're traveling. There is great information in that chapter on how you can live. Because I've been talking about, you know, why it is we do it. But, you know, until you know how to do it, you know, you can have the why, but you need to know the how. Well, the Bible's the how-to book. It is actually the why book, too. I hope I've encouraged you today. We all need it. I will definitely be listening to this one again when I'm wanting to remember why it is I'm serving the Lord. Because we all go through those periods of time, okay? Every one of us. I love this opportunity that we have. And I thank the Lord that He gives words in season. This has been a seasonal word for me today. So read that Ephesians five or four. Ah, read read five too. <laughs> four and five. Read them. I guess that. I guess I know what I'm going to be doing right after I sign off. Ephesians five. Max, get ready. There must be a gem in five too. So I don't need to tell you to stay in the word because I know you're going to do it right now. But live with peace with your neighbors. Pray for those who persecute you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your spirit, and your mind, and your belongings. And pray for those who... Actually, can you guys pray for me too? I really would love that if if you would do that. I'm praying for you guys. Everybody who hears this... Please know that I'm praying for you to hear from the Lord even more. Ultimately, that's what I'm really wanting to do here, is have you hear from the Lord. If that's all I'm doing here, just to help encourage you to do that, then I've done my part. So enjoy that Ephesians 4 and 5. And I will see you on the flip.